jumper. <laughs> um, so about two weeks ago, I'd, I'd done various bits of research, reading, note-taking, and I was just thinking, right, is everything going to come together ready for this Sunday? It's quite a big Sunday today. We've got the fact I'm preaching, my wife's leading worship, which is great. Um, this afternoon, we've got Boldmere. We're playing at Boldmere. We've had three rehearsals. Um, we're ready. Um, but we're about to go and play again in front of possibly thousands of people on the Boldmere High Street. So kind of everything's coming to a head. Am I going to have time? Well, kind of mapped it all out in my head. And then the Department for Education decided to just pop into our school, as they do from time to time, have a little visit. Um, you know, we've got a few days to get ready for that, which in a way is even worse, because you spend days getting ready and ready and ready for this big visit. We're quite a new school, so they come in quite often. That's fine. But that's another bunch of pressure. And then we find out next week, we've got another visit at school. So we've got what's called our Section 48 inspection, which is when our faith authority come in. We're a Christian school. Um, they come in and inspect our, our kind of faith aspect, our Christian distinctiveness, our collective worship, our RE education. So that's a two-day visit next week. And then we're due an Ofsted visit before the end of term. There aren't many weeks left, aren't there? So we're pretty much set up for the week after is going to be Ofsted. So we've got Department for Education, Section 48 inspectors, Ofsted inspectors. It's all going to be fine. And Ben said that what's made you anxious Christmas is not Christmas. I can't see past this weekend at the moment. Um, and it's kind of been feeling a bit like that. But a couple of weeks ago, I just literally sat down and I, and I carved out two hours and I sat down, I sat still, I got all my books out, I prayed to God. I said, just help me put everything together for this Sunday. Help me specifically think about the preach, put all the ideas together. And I just sat down with God, got everything out, started writing it up, and fortunately it all came together. And at that point, I felt that peace. And I felt that kind of peace of actually, I could probably take this right now and stand up there on a Sunday, and I could communicate what I think God wants me to say on that Sunday morning. And that was like, ah, thank you, Jesus. And sometimes it's just that stopping, isn't it, and dealing with things in an appropriate way. Not focusing on the many, many things that you think are kind of swamping you and kind of getting you down, but thinking, actually, I'm going to deal with this in a right way. And that's what we're going to look at today. I'm sure there are many things that make us anxious. I was just going through a quite simple list. So it's my job. There's my marriage. You know, I want, I want my marriage to be brilliant. <laughs> Hear this in the right way. <laughs> I want my marriage to be the best it can be. That can cause anxiety. I want to raise my children in a, in a God-honoring way so they grow up into strong men and women of God. Um, uh, my children's school, they're getting to that age pretty soon. We started visiting secondary schools for the first time. Are we living in the right house? Are we not? Are we doing a good enough job with the worship team? Are we serving the church? Um, all these different things that come in and can kind of cause anxiety. I'm sure we can all kind of relate to something. And if you don't believe me, and we'll turn to the Bible in just a second, a couple of facts and figures for you. Um, surveys believe approximately a third of the UK suffer from some sort of anxiety disorder. So that's a third of the UK, an anxiety disorder. So that's not just I worry about stuff, but that's actually my anxiety is causing a physical or a kind of... Um, some deeper problem that I'm actually going to need to go to a doctor and get some help with. Um, and here's a couple of quotes for you. It says this, uh, maybe you can relate to this. Most of us have felt this scaly monster making its den inside of us at some point, settling somewhere between our racing heart and our wrenched gut. It can be like a chilling paralysis. It can show up in fiery anger, in unkind speech and hurtful attitudes. 
I thought, oh yeah, I can remember feeling like that. And I don't want to feel like that. And the Bible says we don't have to feel like that. Um, Another quote, some Christians do not get help because they believe anxiety is a sign of failure. In other words, the Bible says, don't worry. I am worrying, therefore I'm sinning. Therefore, I kind of get into this horrible loop of actually, I shouldn't be because I'm a Christian, but, 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 but actually, how do we deal with that? Um, And what can we learn from the Word of God? We need to know that we all feel anxious about something. Perhaps some of us are just more experienced and have better strategies of how to kind of deal with that. It's normal, though. Um, We live in a fallen world. We're all going to come across things that make us worry and anxious at different points. Um, But it's how we respond and whether we kind of deal biblically um, and swiftly with it to prevent that anxiety from taking hold, um, from preventing that anxiety from disabling us, for damaging relationships with friends and families and really taking hold. So it's a massive issue. And it's an issue, actually, some of us and some people I know will need to seek medical help. If we're ill, if we're struggling with something, we go to a doctor to get help. There's things like cognitive behavior therapy. There's uh, medication and things that can help us to deal with anxiety. Absolutely, we need to do that because we don't need to live in fear. The Bible says do not live in fear. So we don't need to. And sometimes we're going to need to get help outside of the church. That's brilliant. But I do encourage you to also get help inside the church. Because the Bible is very clear about strategies and ways we can um, relate with God to overcome anxiety in his power and his strength. So brilliant, get medical help. But please, 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 also, let's turn to God and ask him to minister to us through that. Um, Are we convinced that anxiety is kind of a big problem? Yeah, and there's loads we could talk about here. There There was another bit I read about the fight or flight symptoms which I found quite interesting. It talked there about that wrenched gut, but actually there's pre, pre-programmed in us, isn't there? When we face danger, when we face something that's quite scary, that we, um, various things happen. Our heart rate speeds up, our breathing speeds up, blood starts kind of flowing around our bodies in different ways. It starts going to vital organs, blood starts rushing to our heads because our body's getting ready to fight. Our pupils dilate so we can get more light in, so we're more alert. Our muscles kind of flare up and extra blood goes into our muscles. We're ready to either run or we're ready to fight. And our body reacts in this way. And it's the same with anxiety. Actually, if we face something that's making us anxious, our body responds in a very similar way. So all of a sudden, my body's operating at this kind of heightened level. And actually, if I go through life anxious and fearful of all the stuff around me, my body's going to be constantly operating at this heightened state. And that can't be good for me. It can't be good for my well-being. this is a little bit gross, but I'm following Stuart's example. He's been a bit gross the last few weeks. Um, It talks about the fact it kind of makes your your digestive system, it can make your colon kind of contract as all these weird things are happening. And for some of us, it happens in a very isolated area, which can cause constipation. For some of us, your whole digestive system starts doing this, which comes out in other ways that aren't very pleasant. So... But these are all physical signs related to kind of our physical response. So I think anxiety is something we can all probably relate to in some way. Um, But we need to look at the Bible and see what the Bible says about it. Is that okay? Okay, so we're together. I'll stop talking. So, T-shirt from my youth. Um, I bought a T-shirt a bit like this from Great Yarmouth. It probably wasn't quite as high quality. Um, But it um, says, don't worry, be happy. Okay, perhaps the t-shirt should have said, don't worry, pray everything. And that's going to be kind of the overriding message of today um, as we dig into Philippians. So let's go there together. I'm going to read from Philippians 4, verse 2 to 9. Now, 
I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice! Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Okay, I'm just going to pray before we move on. Jesus, this is a big topic because I feel it's something we can all relate to. And I just want to ask you again before we kind of delve deeper into this passage that this morning, out of all the many things we could say from this passage, that you will help me to know the message that you want to bring and you'll help us to hear, Lord, what it is you want to speak to us today. I pray you'll highlight by your Holy Spirit key passages that will just, oh yeah, that's something I need to deal with. If there's areas of fear and anxiety in our lives that we're not aware of, we're not aware of the root causes, Lord, I pray you'll shed light on that today and help us to see and help us to bring it and leave it with you today, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, so this passage starts with an appeal. It says, an appeal for peace and for unity. It's not an accident that it starts in this way. We've got two women here, Euodia and Syntyche, who clearly there's something going wrong. There's some reason that Paul has taken the time to write a message. I said, come on, guys, sort this out. Sort out your relationship, whatever's going on. And actually, that theme goes through this passage. It talks about peace and kind of the language Paul uses here isn't just about necessarily the peace between two people, but the peace in a community. So there's a message in this passage underlying the whole thing about unity and peace in the community. And that got me thinking on the theme of anxiety, because disunity can itself bring anxiety. If Stuart and I were having a massive argument that we weren't dealing with, he's laughing, we're okay, um, you know, I, I could be really fed up with Stuart today because he lent Melanie the same jumper that I happen to be wearing, which I feel slightly stole the thunder of my Christmas jumper, but that's fine. But we could not deal with that. And, and that kind of dispute between us isn't just going to affect me and Stuart. It's going to affect our wives. It's going to affect our families. It's, in effect, it's going to affect the church. If I'm leading worship and Stuart's preaching, leading the meeting, and we're not in unity, it's going to cause issues for the church. The church are going to be kind of, oh, what's going on here? What's going on? It's going to cause anxiety and worry. So I think in leadership, in all areas of community, we need to be united. Um, anxiety can cause disunity. You know, one of the things that could be running through my head over the last few weeks, am I good enough to do this? Am I good enough to stand up here and speak the word of God to the church? Am I going to be as good as Stuart? Am I going to be as good as the other people that get up here and preach? And that in itself, that anxiety could then cause disunity. Because it might be actually I shy away from Stuart and I shy away from the others. And I kind of say, actually, I don't want to face them because I feel a bit overshadowed. Um, 
you know, obviously I have to process those things, and occasionally I might feel like that. But actually, disunity can lead to anxiety. Anxiety can lead to disunity. So it's essential if we're trying to honestly live a life where we do not fear, where we do not worry, we need to be united. We might not always agree. We might not always agree. But there's a biblical principle, isn't there, of taking um, your disputes, your concerns to other people and having a conversation about it and dealing with it. We might agree to disagree, but at least we can shake hands and move on. Okay? So it's really essential. So one thing I just want you to be thinking about as we go through this passage, is there anything that God wants to highlight today in our relationships with other people, be it family, friends, people at church, outside of church? Is there any relationship aspect where actually we're not in unity and actually we need to go and we either need to speak to that person or we need to grab someone else and say, will you help me to go and speak to this person? It is so releasing and it is so wonderful to experience the peace that comes from that. So I just encourage you, like at the start of this passage, if there's anyone that you need to go to and actually say, actually, you really hurt me in this situation or I found this really difficult, um, I encourage you to go and speak to that person. If it's someone at church, by all means, grab someone, do something today. So there are, there are four kind of themes I'm going to look at through this passage then. And rather nicely, they spell out the word calm. I'm not going to take any credit for that. I quite liked it. Now I think it's a little bit cheesy, but there we go. Um, one of the books I read preparing for this was this book by Max Licardo called Anxious for Nothing. If this is a topic you want to look a bit more into, I'd recommend this book. It's actually split broadly into these four sections. So it was his idea, not mine. But I found it quite useful just to frame the message for today. If anyone wants to borrow this, by all means do. I'd rather someone was reading it and using it than sitting on a dusty bookshelf. But I do recommend that as a great book. So the four themes were this. We celebrate God's goodness. We ask God for help. We leave your concerns with him. We meditate on good things. And then we feel the calm, the peace of God. Okay? So that's where we're going. So firstly, celebrate God's goodness. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. So double reminder there. Let everyone see you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming. So simple start. Always be full of the Lord, of joy in the Lord. Always giving thanks, rejoicing, that double reminder there. Rejoice, rejoice. We can say it a few more times. And this whole series, hasn't it, has been joy in different areas of life, joy in different areas of things that we come across. And actually, as believers, joy is the fruit of the, one of the virtues associated with the fruit of what lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. God lives in us. And the result of that is, should be joy kind of pouring out into all areas of our life. I had the pleasure of doing an assembly on Friday at school. I was talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So I showed them some different fruit, and then I showed them two trees. There was an apple tree, there was a dragon fruit tree. Many similarities. Scientists don't correct me on any of this. I'm sure it's broadly right. But, you know, trees, they both have roots. They both have trunks, they both have leaves. They both need sunlight. They both need nutrients from the ground. They both need water. There's lots of things these two trees needed. They looked a bit different, but there was lots of similarities. But the essence of what was in those two trees made them distinctly different. The apple tree produced apples because of the plant cells, because of the DNA. It was only ever going to produce apples. The dragon fruit tree was only ever going to produce dragon fruit. It was what was inside that tree that kind of predestined and made it to produce those two types of fruit. Well, what's in us? Yes, there's our DNA, of course. There's who we are, our personality, our makeup. 
but also the Holy Spirit lives in us. And what I was trying to teach them was actually if, if the Holy Spirit is living in us, the fruit of that is what comes out of us. How do I respond to different situations? And what we're seeing in Philippians is one of those responses is joy. So if the Holy Spirit is living in us, if God is living in us, we should be um, having this fruit of joy. Um, I also played in that song, so um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm never going to lose that. Um, but all these, these fruits come out of us because of the fact that God lives in us. And we shouldn't be hiding that away. We shouldn't be hiding that away. God lives in us. We're going to experience joy in our lives. We're going to be able to see God at work in different areas of our lives. So we need to let everyone see. We need to not hide it away. But we need to do that in a considerate way. If, if someone I know is going through a really tough time, I'm clearly not going to walk into that difficult, sad place. And go, Woohoo! God's joy is here! And I'm kind of doing that. I'm not going to rub it in their face, am I? But I'm going to talk to them about where God is in the situation, how God is acting in the situation. We're going to look to God for help. We're going to ask him to help. We're not going to be kind of self-seeking and contentious. I'm trying to be helpful and loving. But at the end of the day, we should be able to find God at work and we should be able to celebrate his goodness in what is going on. So kind of the first action here is to focus first on God, his goodness, to celebrate how good he is, to give thanks for what he has done, to give thanks what he's going to do when he comes again, to give thanks for our salvation, our life, our families. Um, and we need to live this life openly and outwardly. So actually, if something happens and someone says, oh, what happened? And I can say, yeah, that person I know, I prayed for them the weekend and they were healed by God. Yeah, we can be open about that and live that life in a really open way. You know, that can be daily ourselves as an individual. It could be as a family, getting to the end of the day and making sure we pray and give thanks to God for what he's done in the day or what he's doing in our lives or for who he is, celebrating his goodness, learning the Bible. Um, we meet as life groups. We meet corporately on a Sunday. All those different times we come together and we can be talking about God's goodness. It's the character of who we are because um, we live this life with God. Um, you know, I thought about WhatsApp and kind of social media. Um, we want to be celebrating God's goodness. Again, not throwing it in people's faces in a way that makes them think, oh, he's really arrogant and blah, blah. You know, there's a way to do things, but we can be open. And I, and I love those things where people just talk about the good things in their life and accredit it to God. You can do it in a really God-honoring way, can't you? You can talk about, you know, I'm just so grateful to God for my family. And, you know, things like things we can do to live an open life where we're honoring to God and his goodness with our non-church friends and, and just to speak of God's goodness in the world. So we, we take this message about peace and unity, about living not in anxiety, and we focus first on God because that is right. It then starts giving us a bit of kind of more help specifically. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Okay? God understands we live in this fallen world. He knows we will face difficulty in life. So he says, here you go, this is what you need to do. He knows we're going to worry about stuff. He knows we're going to feel anxious about stuff. So he says, when you do, this is what you're going to do about it. And this is a really famous verse, isn't it? So the don't worry about anything. On its own, that's a difficult statement. 
I said this before, didn't I? You sort of, the Bible says, don't worry. Oh, no, I'm worrying. Okay, that means I'm not doing what the Bible says, so I'm sinning. So, oh, no, that's not good. So I really, really shouldn't be worrying. Now I'm worrying about the fact I was worrying, and my worry is getting worse. So then I go back to God, oh, no, I'm still worrying. So I'm still worrying about the worry. I need to stop. So actually, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to stop worrying. No, you, and you kind of get in this perpetual cycle. But that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't stop there. Okay, there's a colon there, isn't it? It doesn't just stop. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And these aren't two alternatives even. It doesn't say, don't, be wor- don't worry, so pray. It's not a case of actually, I'm really worried about this situation I'm facing. I'm really, you know, I could talk about the inspection next week. I am, there are aspects of it that I'm sort of a bit nervous about. But I'm not just going to say, okay, I don't want to worry, therefore I'm going to pray, job done. It's actually, it says, don't worry by praying, but rather pray. It's, prayer isn't kind of the replacement for the anxiety, but rather the means and the tool in which we have to live a life without anxiety. And it might be, I have to keep coming back and praying about it. And it might be I have to spend a period of time changing my thinking, getting some help about changing my thinking and remembering that voice that's speaking in my head isn't the voice of God. So actually when I face that thing, every time I think about this inspection, different elements of it coming up in the weeks ahead, I'm going to turn back to God and I'm going to pray about everything. I'm worried that I won't feel 100%. I'm worried that I won't feel entirely healthy and give my best. I'm worried that just take it all to God. Give it to God and pray about everything. And the result of that, it says here and in many other places, is that we will experience God's peace. Okay? And peace, contentment, is the um, promised result. It's not the command. It's not like I can force myself to turn from worry to peace. No, no, no. I'm going to see I'm worried about something. I'm going to pray about everything. And as a result, as I give it all to God, I'm going to feel the peace of God come into my life. And I'm going to feel that calm and I'm going to move on in my life. And you know what? If something comes back and it worries me again, I'm going to go back to God and I'm going to pray about it. He didn't say pray about some things. He said pray about everything. That literally means every tiny little thing. So we're going to not be anxious by praying. We're going to go to God and we're going to tell him what we think we need. In this situation, God, this is what I think I need. I want you, God, to come in and do this, please. But I'm going to be gracious enough and humble enough in that situation to accept God's answer. Because God might not answer that prayer in the way I think. So I'm going to just keep telling God, this is what I think I need. Then I'm going to listen and I'm going to look out at my life and I'm going to see how God responds. And whatever God chooses to do, I'm going to say, thank you, God, because you know best. So, message there. Don't worry. By praying, peace, contentment will come. I read somewhere else. It said, Um, apprehension and fear mark the life of the unbelieving, the untrusting, for whom the present is all there is, and for whom the present is so uncertain, or for many filled with distress and suffering, as in the case for the Philippians. And again, that's not supposed to be a condemning statement to say actually, but it's saying God has said we can live a life without fear. God has said we can live a life without worrying. If we listen, if we draw close to him, if we take our prayers to him, um, So really, it's an invitation to come in and try and live more in that fullness of life that God has promised. That's only going to work 
if we trust him, if we're open about it, if we talk to other people, if we pray about it, and we, and we, keep, we keep going there. I'm not there. You probably get that message from this morning. I'm not there. There's still things that knock me, and I have to go back to God and say, God, help me in this situation. Lift my head up off of the situation. You look at the word anxiety. What's smack bang in the middle of anxiety? I. So it's all about pride. It's all about me, isn't it? I don't know how I can face this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to make our marriage the most successful marriage in the world. I don't know how I'm going to raise my children. I don't know how we're going to get through an inspection. I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I need to humble myself before God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I think I can do, because I know that God can do all these things. And I know if I bring all those worries and those anxieties to God, he will break in and he will act and he will, he will help me to go through these situations because he is with me in all things I do. And I know that in that process, I'm going to have to repent of pride. I'm going to have to repent of selfishness and depending on my own power. I'm going to have to go to God and say, I'm sorry, Lord, for just thinking I could do this. I'm sorry, Lord, for not bringing it to you and giving it to you and letting you act in this situation. I'm going to have to apologize for unforgiveness like we started at the beginning. I'm going to have to apologize. And say, I'm sorry, Lord, for feeling this way about these people, for what they did, Lord. I'm sorry. I know you can help me overcome this. I know, Lord, you can help me in life. I'm sorry, Lord, for being anxious. I'm sorry, Lord, for being worrying, but I'm bringing it to you. I'm leaving it at your footstool, and I'm going to walk away and live a life of celebration, which brings us on to the next point where it says, leave your concerns with him. And this is important, isn't it? There's no no good me taking all my concerns to God and saying, Lord, please help me with this. You know, sort of thinking about leaving it with God, but walking away like this and kind of dragging it with me. So the next moment I face this, oh, look, it's still there, and I'm still worrying about it. There's no point. Actually, if I'm going to say I'm going to trust God for this, I'm going to have to physically let go. Mentally, emotionally, I'm going to have to let go of that thing. And I'm going to have to say, actually, I'm going to leave it with you, God. I'm going to leave it with you. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to walk away. And, and if it starts to creep back in, different things are going to happen. They're going to, oh, take that. I'm going to go back to God. God, help me with this, please. Trust you, but I'm going to leave it. And it's not about me kind of dragging things away. And I think sometimes I've been guilty of this, and I've had to repent of this. I almost get caught up in the worry. It becomes kind of part of who I am, and um, I sort of almost enjoy that sense of drama about things. Do you kind of know what I mean, some of you? There's a couple of people smiling. But, you know, I could, I've, I've got a bit of reaction on my arm at the moment that hurts a lot. And, you know, do, do I want God to heal it or do I enjoy a little bit of sympathy and a little bit of drama in the situation? I don't know. Man flu. You know, it's that kind of sense, isn't it? But actually, let's take it to God. Let's let go and let's actually let go. Okay? Sorry, Hannah. It does hurt, I promise. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> What's I saying about marriage? Um, Yeah, so this piece. So it says, Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This peace only comes from Jesus. Uh, I um, had the pleasure of doing my Freedom in Christ course again this year. I just thought I need to do it as part of this kind of eldership journey. I just need to go back and look at my life again and say, what else do I need to be set free from that didn't come up last time? And lots of stuff did, which was brilliant. It was a, it was a great appointment. I spent about six hours um, 
with two guys going through the steps to freedom. And they talk about these steps to freedom as being once actually you've taken everything to God and you've forgiven and you've repented and you've brought everything to God and left it with him, you, you can experience this sense of peace. And actually at the end, we just stopped and said, right, now just go back into your mind. And for the first time I can remember in absolutely ages, it, it, was, it sounds a bit cheesy possibly, but there was just, there was just kind of white. There was, there was a blank canvas in front of me. I saw Jesus. And I've said this before actually at church. I saw Philippa, my wife. And then this other thing crept in. I said, oh, hold on a minute. So we stopped and we prayed into that. And I, and I kind of dealt with that. And I um, had to apologize for some stuff and move on. I went back, right, where am I? Close my eyes again. There's Jesus. There's Jesus. Amazing. And actually there was nothing creeping in apart from my wife was stood there with me. And I felt that real contentment. Actually, I can see me and Philippa stood here before Jesus, worshipping him, just living life with him in the fullness and goodness of everything he's promised. And there was nothing else. There was nothing else kind of poking in, getting in the way. And there was that wonderful moment of peace where I just thought, ah, this is it. My wife, myself, Jesus, living life together. Awesome. This is beautiful. And that moment of peace only came because I did this. I celebrated God's goodness. I asked him for help. I left my concerns. I repented. I turned. I forgave people. I forgave myself. Um, I had to repent of how I felt about God in some different situations. And then that peace came. And, and I just encourage you. I encourage you to do that, to leave things with God. Take them to God and honestly leave him. I'm going to give us an opportunity to do that a little bit later on. Um, which I'll talk about. But God's peace, the peace of God, because he is the God of peace. This wholeness, this well-being, it transcends all understanding. And that clarity is only going to come from Jesus. It says that peace will guard our hearts and minds. His peace will be the garrison, the fortress around our hearts and thoughts to prevent us from falling into anxiety. It becomes then a kind of a preventative thing. So I've kind of got to this place where actually I've dealt with lots of things. But then as other things from my past or my, my current situations creep in, this peace is like a fortress, a protector around me. I said, right, I want to stay in that place of peace. So I'm going to keep giving things back to God and I'm going to keep trusting in him and I'm going to keep worshipping him. But I kind of feel like now I'm doing that from a place of peace rather than a place of turmoil. So I feel much stronger. Um, just on that note, there are, there are various people in the church that can help you through those kind of meetings where you can just sit down and really pray into those situations. If that's something you feel, actually, I want to do, I want to spend a day, it's really hard, it is hard when you kind of build up to it, but it's worth doing. I want to spend a day praying and getting some of that ministry. There's various people, various couples in the church um, that we know of that do that. So talk to myself, talk to Stuart, Melanie, talk to your life group leaders. Let's get plugged you in. Just spending a few hours, just sat down, looking at your life together from a godly perspective. It's, it's a wonderful thing to do, and it's so releasing. It's so releasing, trust me. So we're going to live in the peace. We're going to rejoice. We're going to pray. We're going to ask. We're going to submit. We're going to trust. We're going to walk away. We're going to get on with life. When anxiety returns, we're going to pray some more because we're going to pray about everything. We follow Jesus' example. He said, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So he said to God at that moment of crisis towards the end of his kind of earthly life, Lord, what I want is you to take this cup of suffering away. 
But what I also want is your will to be done. So I submit to you and I trust in you. If I need to go to the cross, Lord, I will go to the cross. But he was still asking for kind of what he needed, but he trusted in God for that response. So we need to recognize the signs of anxiety. We need to make time to pray. We need to be honest with God. We need to talk to people. We need to have appointments. Some of us are going to need to get help from outside sources. That's fine. That's fine and good. There are plenty of good things in this world that can help us as well. But we need to kind of measure them against the goodness of God. Make sure they're in line. Okay, we're coming into the last point. Almost there. So finally, meditate on good things. We need to fill our minds with goodness. So we've taken everything to God. We've left it with him. We've trusted in him. And now one final thing. We're going to focus on whatever is true whatever conforms to the gospel, whatever is noble or honorable, worthy of respect, again, in line with this gospel truth, whatever is right as defined by God and his perfect, perfect character, whatever is pure and holy, whatever is not tainted by evil or impure, whatever is lovely and whatever is admirable. And these last two things are slightly different because they're kind of almost beyond, not really focused on kind of the morality of God but we need to look at them through a a gospel filter. Whatever is lovely, around us there are lovely things. There are many things we're going to love in this world that at first glance aren't sort of necessarily directly related to God. There's music I love to listen to that's been written by non-Christians. That doesn't mean to say I can't appreciate the goodness in it. Actually, God has given us in this world music. He's given us instruments. He's given us beautiful voices, some people. Um, I'm I'm not putting myself in that. Um, and he's, he's given us these good things. And actually, if they point to an awesome creator, God, we can still focus on the goodness of what's in them, but we pass them through the gospel filter, and we make sure, actually, this song might be beautiful, but it might be telling me to go out and cheat on my wife. Well, that's not good, is it? So actually, I'm not going to focus on that one over there. But this song over here, I think it's beautiful, and it's focused on something which meets with God's goodness and God's perfect holiness. So I can actually see the joy. I can see the, the greatness of that. Whatever is admirable, virtues, conduct that is spoken well of by people. Again, I was thinking children in need this last, um, this last week. We know there are many children who need help, who need support, who need money to do these things. They need systems. Children in need isn't an overtly Christian thing. It's not kind of, as far as I know, come out of a bunch of Christians coming together and saying, we're going to do this because God has said we need to do this. But there is plenty of good in what children in need are doing. And I can see the good in that. And I can see the good in helping. It says in the Bible, help your neighbor. It says, look after people. It says, come alongside people. It says, give generously. It says, do all these things. And lots of those things are going on in children in need. I'm not, it's not a church thing, but still, look at the things we need to meditate on. It's lovely. It's admirable what these people are doing. And if we pass it through the gospel filter, that they are excellent and worthy of praise, we can focus on these good things. So we're going to find good things in the Bible directly from God but we can focus on good things around us. And just in that note, just, just think about how we look at culture and we pass it through this filter. And in itself, this is a massive topic to look at, so I'm not going to labor on it. But think about social media. I think it's really easy to say something we wouldn't normally say face-to-face when we type it. I can send emails and think, oh, that was a bit cut in. Let me change it. I can post a message. Would I, would I have honestly said that to someone face to face? And I think sometimes we post things and we say things in 
um, the technical world that we wouldn't say face-to-face. -face. We just need to be cautious and we need to pass it through. Is what I'm saying lovely? Is what I'm saying admirable? Is what I'm saying the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Is that the fruit that's coming out of me? And we need to meditate on what is good. For some of us, that means we need to turn away from some things. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to read that because it's not good. It's not lovely. And actually, what's the result of that? The result of that could be sin. The result of that could be anxiety and worry. But actually, I'm going to focus on what's good. And then Paul finishes by saying, keep going. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. It's a final reminder to keep going. We know we live in this world that is, that is broken, it's not perfect. We know we're going to face things that worry us. We know we're going to face things that bring anxiety. It's going to creep back in. And actually, you might look around and say, but that person never worries. That person never gets anxious. But they, they must be facing people. I'm struggling with it. I was sort of thinking through it. They must be facing things that potentially they think, oh, how am I going to do that? But I suppose the difference is what they're doing with that thought. They're taking it to God and saying, God, will you help me? And that's the difference, isn't it? It's not to say we're not going to face these things, but it's what we do in response. So I'm going to ask the band to come up, just as we kind of look at the four things. I've kind of tried to weave the practical in as we go through. So we're going to celebrate God's goodness. So we're going to go into worship now, and we're going to celebrate how God good is, as we started this morning, but we're going to do that corporately together. Um, what I then want us to do is to be asking God for help. And we need to be taking to God the things that maybe is highlighted this morning, things we're aware of anyway, things in our lives that we just want to bring to him today and put down. And I, I felt as I was doing this that most people are going to relate in some way or form to anxiety and worry. So that how can we corporately respond? So I asked Stuart if we could take communion together today. So after the first song, I would love us that are believers that know and love Jesus to come up and take communion as a sign of putting our trust in him. We take communion to remember what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the price for our sins. He came to set us free. Okay? He came to this earth to set us free from worry, to set us free from anxiety, to set us free from the power of sin in our lives and the hold it has over us. So as we come and take communion today, I just encourage you to physically leave things with Jesus, to leave it there, to trust in him, and actually to walk away back into worship. And as we leave it there, just let God kind of minister to you, speak to other people if you need to. If you want to just grab someone this morning and say, look, this has been really troubling me, but I've left it with Jesus. Let's give them a high five. Let's give them a cuddle. Let's say, brilliant, well done. Now let's worship God together. So if you want to grab some prayer, there are plenty of people in the room that I know will be very keen to pray with you. Let's remember, Jesus is in control. He says we don't need to leave, live a life in fear and anxiety, but he doesn't stop there. He says you don't need to live in fear and anxiety because in everything you face, I want you to turn to me in prayer and I will lift that off you and I will give you that peace that transcends all understanding. So we're going to worship. We'll give you a nod after the first song. I've asked a few of the... Um, leaders to come up and help me with communion this morning but just come forward in your own time if you don't know Jesus yet and you want to know him more because you want to know more of that power in your life come forward just grab us say I'd like to know a bit more and we can pray for you we can talk to you we can help you and all those things well I'll jump out of the way thanks honey